Hello and welcome to Margs and Mary. It's good to have you with us again this week. Hey CJ. Hey Emily, how are ya? I'm good, how are you? I am doing well. I'm just over here recovering from my afternoon nap. <laughs> Eat a little yogurt. I don't have my margarita today, of course. <laughs> I don't either. I, uh, it's like two o'clock on a Tuesday, so I felt like it was kind of not time yet. Yeah, kind of ambiguous a little bit. Yeah. Local Tuesday, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Not Mark Monday. Did you find, so you just finished up school and you said you just took a nap. Like, are you finding like you're taking naps to recover from the school year at this point? Yeah, you know, like having all this free time, I don't even know what to do with myself. I was interviewing, not interviewing, I was a bri- I had a bridal shower this weekend and I was asking all the other teachers, you know, like, hey, what are you doing with all your time? And they're like, okay, so they're like really breaking it down for me because it's apparently a thing. You, you are teaching swim lessons. I am, yes. So you're using your time well. See, I'm yes. taking naps You're taking naps. <laughs> yes. That's, yeah, that's like the only change, but it really fills my day. So. Yeah, I found, like, I had a week that I finished school and then, or like, I finished school and then I had a week and then I started teaching swim lessons. And there were times during that week that, like, I wasn't tired, but I was just kind of bored and didn't have anything to do. So I just took a nap. Yeah. Like, now that you can, why not? Right. It's like, I have all this free time. I'm just gonna just get a, get a little more sleep. And then it turns out it's like 5 p.m. You wake up and you're disoriented and you're like, yeah. is it 5 a.m. right now? Is it 5 p.m.? Where am I? What am I doing? Did I miss the bus? No, I'm an adult. I don't go to school. <laughs> I never even rode the bus. I went to Catholic school. <laughs> Just me? No. <laughs> I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, back in college, you had to get on the bus for swim practice in the mornings, didn't you? Yeah, well, I had to drive it. I drove the van. Um, oh so... Yeah, I, I was afraid sometimes to miss it. I think there was one time that I, I thought I would try melatonin. Like I thought like maybe this would be good like to get some extra like sleep. But I slept through like every alarm, every, like someone had to come and knock on my door to wake me up to go to swim practice because I was just out at five in the morning. Oh, um, oh my gosh. But yeah, I guess I did have to, I, I did have to catch a bus um, at some point in my life. <laughs> You know what? Maybe, maybe next year you'll catch a bus. Who's to say? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or maybe you'll, like, when you go to, you know, eventually, like, a senior care facility. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm elderly, when I'm in the, uh, <laughs> and, like, on, like, the, the weekly outings or something to go play bingo at the church or something, I'll have yeah. to catch a bus. Yeah, maybe. I mean, because at that point, like, they take away your license, right? So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised they haven't done it already for me, but. <laughs> yeah, you got a ticket the other day, didn't you? Oh, I get, like, parking tickets quite often, but I haven't gotten any traffic tickets recently. But I have done court-ordered community service for traffic violations. No. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was in downtown Atlanta, and I was too young to pay the fine. Like, I think you have to be, like, 18 or something to pay a fine, but I was 17. And so they were like, well, just take these defensive driving classes and then do eight hours of community service. And the thing is with, like, 
downtown Atlanta municipal court, they don't separate the 17 year old girls with minor traffic offenses from the like actual crimes, like of the downtown Atlanta people. <laughs> so I was like doing community service with like people like uh, drug possessions or, you know, whatever it was. So I'm a hardened criminal converted. Con uh, I'm yeah, really come a long way since then. Wait, holy cow. And like, I'm like looking at you in a whole new lens. <laughs> Oh I've seen you, some things. Yeah, you've done time. <laughs> yes. It was really just, they brought me to this warehouse near the zoo, and the lady just, like, dropped me off there and was like, okay, sweep it and then mop it. So I swept the whole warehouse, and then I mopped the whole warehouse. And that took about four hours. And then at the end of the four hours, it was, like, lunchtime. And she was like, well, I don't have anything else for you to do, so just hang out and go into the courthouse at 3 o'clock. So... I just wandered around downtown Atlanta for four hours. With the criminals. With the criminals. Well, as a criminal. <laughs> yeah. As someone currently serving my time. Oh my gosh. Did you like make any friends with the other people also serving time there? No. Oh, well, I just like, I was, I rode around in the car with a couple other people, like when being dropped off at my place, but then I was just by myself. And then, yeah. um, and then she just dropped me off like outside the courthouse and I went and I found a, a subway like sandwich restaurant and yeah. just sat there for a few hours I only had a flip phone at the time so I was just there with my little flip phone and a book and read for oh you had a book that's good yeah let's say what you do eat those cookies and then yeah <laughs> like call people <laughs> play little games on the flip phone yeah play like snake or something yes oh my gosh the best game that one. Wow, I didn't know. I, I wasn't planning on disclosing my criminal history on the podcast today. You know what? I'm glad that we all know. I think that if these people are going to devote their time and listen to us, then they should know who they're listening who to. Who they're listening to. People yeah. with a history, some baggage, some. <laughs> yeah, she's dangerous, y'all. Watch yeah. out. <laughs> but I learned my lesson, though. I always check now, every time I'm at a red light and I want to turn right, I always check for the don't turn right on red because that was my, that was my offense. Oh, I, was I ran a red light. I know. But I know. Have you ever done, have you ever done time? <laughs> have you ever gotten a traffic ticket? <laughs> oh my gosh. That's like, that'd be a great line, like at a bar. So <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your criminal record. <laughs> well, didn't you always used to ask people what their mortal sin was? Yeah, tell me, what's your most recent mortal sin? <laughs> and then you, like, laugh it off as if, like, it wasn't a real question, but then sometimes people get offended by that question. They're like, are you kidding me? Why would you ask me that? And I'm like, it was a joke. Oh, my gosh. Wow, those poor people. They must have been, wow, they must have had something going on. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. they some time. <laughs> um... No, I've not done time. Mm -mm. Shockingly enough. <laughs> but you, you've got, did you, you said you got like Franciscan University parking tickets though. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Get this. So yeah, I never registered my vehicle. And so, um, and I had it for two, three years while I was there. And now my little brother has it. And like my older sister had it before me and it was just never registered. So it's been there for, I think we're going on six years now. Yeah, never and been registered? 
Yeah, no, because we always just park in the visitor section. <laughs> Someone's visiting for a while. Yeah. Um, and my little brother, this last semester, he registered it. Wow. Can you believe that? Now, do you know how many tickets he has? What an upstanding citizen. Oh, I'm sure. I believe it. Yeah, yeah. A good citizen, whatever. But he has so many tickets to pay. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't don't register your car, then they don't know who you are. And then, like, how would you ever pay the tickets? You know what I mean? Yeah. Honestly, I would fight those laws to begin with because they're unjust. I don't think that, whatever. That's a whole whole other episode. But, um, yeah. Just law. (laughs) <laughs> just traffic laws. Yeah, they're unjust. They're very <laughs> unjust. And I'm actually pretty passionate about the subject. If I had run for a student council while I was there, this would have been my platform. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so he made a grave mistake last semester and he's just, he still hasn't paid them because, I mean, he's in college and he doesn't have thousands of dollars for <laughs> the add up of these $25 tickets. Oh my gosh. And he just, at the other day, he turned and he's like, Catherine, do they let you graduate? if you haven't paid your parking ticket. <laughs> and I told him I didn't know. It never crossed my mind, so I didn't have to deal with it. But, and I also told him, it's like, we still have another sibling who's going to go to Franciscan, so why did he not just pass it off? I don't um, know. Roll over the tab to your other brother. Just <laughs> Yeah, he could have done it. Let <laughs> him. Yeah. Uh, he'll end up in, uh, what was it, like, in the England Times, you know, the, the debtor's prison. Wow. They'll, like, take him to Franciscan University's debtor's prison, and he'll be there his whole life. <laughs> yes. Honestly, the baby of the family deserves a little bit of hard time. <laughs> <laughs> he'll learn his lesson. Yeah, shout out, John. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anyways, did you want to introduce the topic for today? Sure, yeah. So, uh, this past weekend, a couple days ago, this past Sunday was Corpus Christi Sunday, the solemnity of the most precious body and blood of Jesus. Um, so today we're going to talk about the Eucharist, which I'm really excited to talk about. Uh, I feel like there's so much to talk about. Uh, so I'll try to be concise and not like spastic in my thoughts, but uh, yeah, the Eucharist. Wow, exciting. <laughs> yes. I'm a quiver to talk about the Eucharist today. <laughs> All right, Emily, tell the people about your word of the day. I don't know. I just, today, I randomly received an email, like, word of the day, and I didn't sign up for it. Like, I don't think I ever put my email address into a website that would offer me a word of the day, but I just received it today, and I was kind of excited, also kind of touched, like, some, maybe a friend, maybe a stranger signed me up for this daily email, Um, but one of the words I learned today was a quiver, which means really excited. (laughs) So that's my current emotion right now is a quiver. I don't know if it's an emotion, but current state of being. Yeah, that makes sense. I like that. Yeah. Sweet. Anyway, well, what are your what are your initial thoughts on talking about the Eucharist or some something that you have been thinking about? So my initial thoughts when mulling over this topic, um, I feel like in prayer, I just kind of like kept coming back to like wanting to meditate on the institution of the Eucharist and that mystery of the rosary. So that's kind of what I found myself praying. And I'm pretty, like, I'm pretty to the core. Like I stick to the days that the mysteries belong on. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't really mix them up ever. But this week I was just like way more drawn to, um, yeah, pray that mystery over and over. So that's kind of like where 
I felt the spirit was leading me in thinking about this topic. And um, yeah, just like the moment that Christ instituted it and then kind of everything that goes along with that. Um, but what, what were your initial thoughts? I'm curious. Yeah, I was thinking, I guess, in my own life about the implications of the Eucharist, just like in this whole quarantine situation of not being able to go to mass for a few months there or two months, and then the shift in my life when mass was brought back into my life. Um, and just the actual tangible impact of the Eucharist on my spiritual life is something that I've been really feeling now that we're back to mass. Um, and so just really feeling grateful for the Eucharist. And then also like with that, thinking about my own life, thinking about Christ's intention, like he was thinking about us, like he was thinking about me when he was instituting the Eucharist. And like, he knew that this whole pandemic would happen uh, when he was instituting the Eucharist and he would know the ache we would feel um, and how much we need him in the Eucharist. Um, so yeah, I've been just thinking about that and thinking about how like, wow, his heart was burning to give himself to us. And his heart has probably been aching that we've been away from him, that we've had to be away from him for the past couple months here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. I know. I feel like this feast of Corpus Christi is so different from like in years past, just because we have like a renewed sense of like being able to receive the Eucharist. Like, cause that is, you know, what such a what so sets us apart as Catholics is, you know, we go and we receive the true body and blood and we haven't been able to do that. You know, I've been talking to my Baptist cousins and they, you know, attend church online now and it's pretty much the same thing, except they're just, they're just not together. Um, but, you know, when we go to mass, we go to receive the body and blood. Right. And so, yeah, I feel like this, this feast of Corpus Christi was so different than the past because it was like almost like an alleluia, you know, like an Easter after this pandemic in a certain way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was thinking kind of the same thing and like trying to explain it to some of my non-Catholic friends. Um, just like, it's been a big deal. Like it was a big deal now that I'm able to go back to mass. Like my, I, I honestly felt like a change. Like I think I was growing quite like complacent and lukewarm during that time of not being able to go to mass. Like it was just hard to pray and it was hard to be charitable. And um, the Eucharist is the, the sacrament of charity. Like we are transformed into Christ when we receive it. And I felt like I was like failing. I was not, not able to be conformed to Christ because I wasn't able to actually receive him. So I really don't, I don't know how people live without the Eucharist. Like, I, I mean, like I, a lot of our, you know, Protestant brothers and sisters, I, I fear they, they don't know what they're missing out on. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah, I know. I don't know, like, I don't know how we made it these past couple months, but I don't know how we'd be able to make it for the next week, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, honestly, hats off to them. That's impressive. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> yeah. they are, you know, they, they are very Christ-like, and I think God gives them yeah. maybe different, maybe different kind of grace to help sustain them, um, but I think it's a very special grace of the Eucharist. Um, I, I've been reading this book because uh, June is the month of the Sacred Heart, and it's also this month of Corpus Christi. Um, this book is called The Eucharistic Heart. It's by Father Jean Gallo, SJ, 
Um, he's a Belgian Jesuit priest. I don't know if he's still alive or if he's dead. Um, this book was copyrighted in, I don't, 1990. So he might still be alive. Um, but what? Some pretty good chances there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, you know, pray for him. Pray for his soul, whether it's living or dead. Father Jean Gallo. Um, But anyway, so I found this book at the like uh, library book sale, like my junior year of college, and I remember the first time I read it, like it changed my life. Like I started reading it, and then. I was just like, wow, this book is amazing. I highly recommend it. The Eucharistic Heart. Um, But this line that I've been kind of meditating on, the the line that changed my life (laughs) two, three years ago, but the the line that I, yeah, get ready, buckle up, um, that I I hold on to a lot um, is this concept that he's talking about. um, It says, uh, talking about Jesus instituting the Eucharist and um, having it be our daily bread. He says, um, by giving himself as daily food and drink, he accepts in advance the danger of routine and habit, which will prevent some people from fully appreciating the gift given to them and from receiving it with the wonder and gratitude it deserves. Um, So in this section of the book, he's talking about how like Jesus gives himself to us daily like he could have said like only institute like only say the mass once a year so that way it's really special and really um like there's so much uh like maybe a lot of celebration around it so that way people keep up their wonder and they look forward to it but jesus knew how much we need to receive him how much we need his presence in our lives that he makes himself so vulnerable to give himself to us every single day that we could lose our wonder at the the mystery of the Eucharist, um, but he does that because he loves us so much. Um, and so I've just been thinking about how, like, wow, I think, you know, it's so easy to make it a routine, you know, to go to daily mass or to go to weekly mass. Like, it's just routine. It's what I do. It's because I'm Catholic. Um, but then seeing like, oh, wow, like he's giving us himself to us because he loves us and because, um, we he needs uh, we need him it's it's our daily nourishment um so that's something i've just been feeling in my life it's like okay i was losing my wonder and becoming a little bit complacent um so this like separation you know making the heart grow fonder and and rekindling that that wonder and also being grateful for the vulnerability of the lord um in that he he humbles himself so much to to give himself to us every single day yeah Wow, I remember hearing about, you know, I, I, well, I don't really know when, but, you know, back when people used to only receive the Eucharist a couple of times a year, if that. Um, I don't know if it was, like, out of scrupulosity or out of tradition or what it was, but um, hearing that quote kind of made me think, you know, um, like Christ, like, I, I, it was something like Christ, you know, he runs the risk of having us become complacent of having some people not understand the gift. Um, And yeah, I feel like that is just such a statement, you know, like he runs the risk of, of so much of being, you know, rejected of us choosing like, you know what, I'm not going to go to daily mass today because X, Y, Z or yeah, or, you know, I'm just, I'm going to show up and barely be there and then forget about it. 
or yeah, whatever, whatever number of things. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like hearing that it makes, it makes sense to hear at in the way of Christ is running this risk in order to provide us with, you know, this necessity. Cause it's, cause it is necessary for us to get to heaven as Catholics. This is what we believe. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that there's a lot of truth in that quote. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, already the humility of Christ, like the son of God becoming man, you know, taking on flesh and undergoing uh, suffering and undergoing human life, you know, that's already so humble. And then even more so humble to give himself to us as food, as nourishment. Um, And it comes forth from his, you know, desire to be with us, you know, like the whole mystery of the incarnation and the Paschal mystery and the Eucharist, like all of it has to do with Jesus wants to be with us. Um, And it's so vulnerable because it's like, when you want to be with someone, but like, they don't want to be with you. You're like, Oh, am I bothering you? (laughs) Or like, like, ouch, that hurts. Like, I, I want to like, am I, am I too much? Like, am I overstepping or something? But like Jesus he's like never bothering us, you know, or he shouldn't, you know, maybe it bothers us like when, you know, we're in sin and he's like, stop sinning. We're like, oh man, Um, (laughs) you know, the daily life, daily struggle. But like, yeah, it's just, he just wants to be with us. And so he gives himself just so generously and how humble he is to do that. Um, And how, uh, I don't know how much it takes for us, I think, to, to always turn our gaze back to him, to have that um, that grace to always turn to him and to, to accept him. Yeah. To actually like receive the gift. I was, so, the other thing that's like really been, um, that I've really been thinking about with Corpus Christi, especially last night, I feel like it was kind of fortuitous that we had to delay this a day. We were supposed to record yesterday, but, um, last night I couldn't call it fall asleep because of one of my naps was too long. And, um, I was just laying in bed and thinking about this topic and, Um, what kept coming to mind was in like, it kind of in the same way that I am, for those of you who don't know, I'm expecting. So I'm like almost eight weeks long, very exciting, but in kind of in the same way, like I am handing over my body for this child and only this child, you know, not for your child. (laughs) Like it's just, it's just this one. But in the same way, Christ handed over his body for us and you know just for the singular for me or for you you know um and thinking about it like I am I am I even the past couple weeks like it is not like some easy and beautiful thing to just hand over your body you know like we see that in the passion but I feel like lately I've been like really walking with that and throwing up with that all the time um and realizing that not only am I, you know, just like handing over my body for this child, but this child needs to receive it in order to like come to life. You know, I can't just, you know, hope like, okay, do what you're supposed to do today, you know, form a jawline or whatever. But this child needs to receive everything that I'm giving it in order to have life. And I feel like in the same way, we need to receive everything that Christ gives us in his body and in his blood in order to have eternal life. Um, And so, yeah, that symbolism has just really been hitting me of like, 
it is such a total gift from him. And there is like no question that is absolutely necessary for us to be receptive and to, yeah, to really take in everything that he gives us in order to have eternal life with him. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, it makes me, me think um, another part in this book, uh, the he's talking about how like when Christ institutes the Eucharist, he institutes it as bread, which is like kind of the basic kind of nourishing food. It's like quite abundant, you know, so you can have a lot of bread. It, it's pretty easy to come by. Um, but he also gives us wine. Like he makes um, wine into his blood. And so it's not just he's giving us like bare bones nourishment. He's giving us the abundance of life. You know, wine is a symbol of joy and mirth. And <clears throat> Jesus doesn't want us to just like to just have life. But he's like, I came that they might have life and have it to the full. And how um, like in, I don't know, like in nourishing your child's life, you know, you're, you're giving actual physical life to your child right now, you know, and you're just kind of living your own life, you know, and it's amazing because your body is growing another human, um, which is insane to think about like how God allows that to happen. Um, but then like going forward, you're not just going to like give your child like physical life, you know, like you're going to raise him or her to be, uh, to have the fullness of life. You know, you're going to encourage them in their gifts and talents. You're going to, um, lead them in the faith and help them in their spiritual life and all of these things um, that, yeah, like Jesus wants to give us the fullness of life, not just, you know, like the, the minimum. And I think the, the Eucharist shows his, the fullness of this gift that it's bread and it's wine, it's um, nourishment and it's joy. Yeah. Wow. I've never thought about it in that way how wine is a symbol of abundance and of, yeah, really just like overly gifting us in that way. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Spiritual inebriation to be like <laughs> drunk in the, not, not drunk, not in a bad way, but <laughs> to be inebriated. Spiritual inebriation. <laughs> yeah. You know, like uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola, the, the prayer, of the anima Christi. Um, oh, one yeah, of is, blood of Christ inebriate me. I've never thought about it in a sort of that way. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. He's not just giving us, you know, life and hoping that we make something of it, but he's really giving us everything. Yeah. I also feel like it's important to kind of acknowledge that like he gives us his body and blood and and then that's it he's not asking us you know to go and become mother Teresa. you know he's not asking us to do impossible things but he's giving us his body and blood so that we can live eternal life with him in heaven and part of that is you know of course like prayer with works um so like part of that is like ministering to who we're who we're near and following our vocation and um, bring as many souls to heaven with us as we can. But even if we bring no one with us, he would still completely give of himself and he would give us an abundant life beyond that just for us to, to be in heaven with him. Yeah. I feel like it almost like 
you can't help it. Like when you receive him, like when you're filled with his life, you can't help but share that excitement and that joy and, and bring others to heaven. Like, I feel like it's impossible to live your life. Like even, you know, like cloistered nuns, like they don't actually like go out and like evangelize, but they give their life to him. They're united to him so deeply that he graces that and brings like, like gives that grace to other people, you know, like their prayers still build up the church. Um, Like, I feel like it would be impossible to be devoted to the Eucharist and to receive Jesus fully and not build up the kingdom of God. Yeah. Yeah. Like even in the way of like, I ordered a great pair of shoes from Loft and I love them. And I tell my sister about them, you know, it's like, you can't help but share the things you love. And so like the thing that we love most and that fills us and that is love itself. Of course we're going to share that. Yeah. Naturally. (laughs) Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know what else to say. Like, it's just, it's a no brainer. Honestly, I feel like when I talk about the Eucharist or like, so I'm like, it's a no brainer. Like you're a fool if you don't believe this, which is like (laughs) not charitable at all to say, (laughs) which I know. And like, I know a lot of people, like it is a stumbling block to them. Like it is like, uh, oh, that's, you know, like the word hocus pocus, um, comes from making fun of the Eucharist. Um, yeah. So like the Latin for like the words of consecration, it's like hoc est enum corpus meum. So it kind of sounds like hocus pocus. Um, And so people think that it's hocus pocus, like they think it's not real, Um, which is just, it's a sad, uh, I think, way to live. Um, And so I I don't want to be uncharitable when I say that you're a fool for not believing it. You know, it's, uh, it is a true, it is truly something that requires faith to believe, but it's just, I think it's sad not to believe it. I think that life is better with the Eucharist. You know, life is better with Jesus himself. You know, we are, we're body and soul and Jesus doesn't want to just be with us, you know, spiritually. He doesn't want some like, you know, mystery, like sprinkling grace. He gives us actual bread that we know that he's actually present there. Yeah. He gives us our most familiar food. Yeah. Which is so inviting. I feel like him, like, he really does know us so well. I remember a professor in college saying, like, if Christ were to present himself as he truly is on the altar, then we would all have no idea what to do. And so, like, having him present himself as something that is so familiar to us and so necessary for our lives that we can approach him and consume his body and blood is so understanding of our human nature and, like, almost kind of like a, like a kindness or a mercy of him to to do that for us you know yeah that was what I'm gonna say like so merciful so um he knows us so well he knows exactly what we need and he comes to meet us in that way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wow yeah, absolutely and we've got some good books over there on Corpus Christi it sounds like oh yeah I do I I'm trying to I need to um to I need to finish it I'm only about halfway through but it's a very good the book he um the whole kind of like thesis of the book is that he's trying to um look at the psyche of Jesus like kind of look at what was Jesus' interior motivations in um instituting the Eucharist and his he's kind of arguing that every moment of Jesus's life was directed toward the um the institution of the Eucharist. Like everything that he did was with the desire to give himself to us in the Eucharist. 
Um, so even, you know, in all of his um, encountering people, it was with the desire to be one with them. Um, and uh, it was all, you know, ordained toward glorifying the Father and sanctifying us, which is the, the end, like the reason for the liturgy. So yeah, it's a very, a very good book, but it's also um, one that you have to take slowly because he goes into like every aspect of, of Jesus's life. Like even in the finding in the temple when he was little, like he knew that he would be in Jerusalem to institute the Eucharist and he just wanted to stay there a little longer <laughs> or uh, like celebrating the Passover his whole life, you know, preparing for this ultimate Passover where he would share it um, and give himself to his disciples. Wow. Yeah. What an interesting book. Yeah. What a, yeah, like a crazy find for $1 at a, at a library book sale. A bargain. A bargain, yeah. I just got it because it was, it's like bright salmon colored, if you can, CJ can see, but it's like not the most like beautiful book, but it like really stands out um, at a book sale, so. <laughs> That's helpful. Yeah, it's wow. good. Yeah, I feel like there are so many, you know, different ways to read the gospel and I feel like I can only hope that I can get through, like, you know, a couple of books in this life, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like there's just not enough time to grasp yeah. all of it. But. I know. And I think, like, well, in this conversation, we've been talking about the Eucharist as, you know, Jesus's humility and as the, um, like, his gift to us and our, our spiritual nourishment. But then you can also look at it from, like, the Paschal sacrifice and the, the spiritual, the medicine of our, of our salvation. And, like, there's so many different, like, facets. Like, it's, you know, the faith is like a diamond. And then you can look at it from all different angles and see all different things. And it's still the same thing. And it's still so beautiful. Um, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. How beautiful the faith is. Mm -hmm. and how rich. I, yeah. How interesting. I wonder, like if any two people have ever really looked at it in the same way, you know? Yeah. Wow. I don't know. Any, any final thoughts, any closing, uh, closing thoughts here? Um, I, I guess my only final thought is I feel like really with this topic, I was drawn to pray the rosary, um, more than ever, which is, you know, classic Marks of Mary, but, um, yeah, I feel like Our Lady just had a really special role in um, the institution of the Eucharist and bringing the Eucharist to us. So, yeah, just kind of walking with her this past week and her role in that, um, yeah, has just been something that has been a different way than I've ever considered her role. So. Yeah. I know, we didn't even talk about Mary's relationship to the Eucharist. Wow. That's it. Wow. Another one, another, another episode, some other time. Um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, Our Lady in, uh, I think she wants us to receive the Eucharist. I think that's one of her greatest desires, you know, of, of her heart is that we would, you know, be one with her son. Mm -hmm. So I think that she is a main player in our uh, ability to receive the Eucharist. I think she forms our hearts to, to hold the Lord, just like she, she, her heart was formed to hold him as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I also love when you bring modern lingo. What, what did I say? She's a main player. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm a little bit woke. A little bit. <laughs> love it. Love uh, it. All, all right. right. 
Well, <laughs> thank you for joining us again this week. And uh, we'll look forward to talking again next week. I'll see you later, CJ. Cheers. With my Cheers. yogurt cup. <laughs> yogurt? <laughs>